You're listening to Connection Church's podcast. Well, good, good morning. My name is Billy Shiver. Uh, I'm the discipleship pastor here um, at the church. And man, I'm so excited to, to be with you guys this morning um, and share uh, with you guys. But before I get started, I wanted to remind you guys, you may have heard Tanya talk about our one-in-one project. Um, that we have going on. And you hadn't noticed, we have huge vision here at Connection Church because we believe in a huge God. Amen? And, and one of the things that we believe is that we believe God's called us to reach 10,000 people by the year 2023. Um, and, and we are going hard with everything we have after that. And one of the ways that we feel like is a huge part of that is this one-in-one project. And so um, I just want to thank you guys for giving. Uh, we're looking um, to, to move forward. And what the one-in-one project is, if you haven't heard, is, is it's, one, we're, we're, it's a project to pour basically $1.5 million into missions as well as $1.5 million into a permanent facility for us to move into um, that's going to help us reach those 10,000 people. And so thank you guys for giving that. Uh, the way it's looking now, we're going to be able to break ground um, in June as long as uh, we continue giving generously towards that. Um, and so, uh, but a couple housekeeping things, as Tanya mentioned earlier as well, um, if you want to give towards that and you want to give cash towards that by putting it in the offering bucket, We don't really know where that goes. And so one of the ways we want you to do is if you'll look out the back doors um, as you walk out, you'll see a one-in-one table. We have some envelopes there for you um, to put that cash in there and label it towards one-in-one. That way you know that money specifically goes towards our one-in-one project. and also, if you write a check on the memo line, if you could just put one in one down there, we'll get it towards one in one. And then lastly, if you give online, make sure you mark it towards that. And so we want your money to go to where you want it to go. Um, and we want to be able to facilitate that well. So if you guys would help us out with that. That would be um, awesome. And so let me pray for us and we will jump um, right in um, to the message. Lord, thank you so much for this morning, God. Um, Lord, I, I love that song, God, that no other name um, is, is mighty to save, God. And, 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 and we know that. We trust that, God. We're here for you. Um, God, we want to learn about you. We want to be in your presence. We want to see you draw people to yourself, God. We want um, to walk in a way that honors you, God. So I pray as we spend some time opening your word, God, that you would teach us. You'd open, your, open our hearts up to hear what you have to say to us this morning, God. Um, and so we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Um, and so over the past couple of weeks, we've, we're coming out of a series called Under Construction where we've been walking through the book of Ephesians. And what we're going to do is we're going to start up uh, another series called Walk in which we're going to just keep on walking through um, the book of Ephesians. And, and it's such an awesome thing. And today we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, um, you can go ahead and open to that. Um, and while you're opening there... Um, Ephesians 4 is going to start out telling us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called. Um, And so as Matt was saying earlier, um, um, that's the picture is that God wants you not only to to just come and and be here on Sundays. He wants you to walk with him throughout um, the week and walk with him through that. And so before we jump into that Ephesians 4 scripture, I want to kind of take us back uh, briefly, obviously, to to walk through what we've been to um, this far. Because I feel like Paul uses the book of Ephesians to set up the first three chapters of Ephesians to set up chapter four and and some things that we have to understand before we can really kind of take hold of Ephesians chapter four is is what he's done the the chapters before and Brandon's been walking through them and and so if you'll see in the first chapter and you can just kind of come with me with this um but in chapter one, Paul basically is really the first three chapters he's painting this huge picture of who we are in Christ and then he gets to four and he says because of who you are in Christ now walk this way. Does that make sense? And so um, we get this picture in Ephesians 1. I just jotted some things down. And, and I don't know if you're familiar with amen in the church, but what amen in the church means is that you agree with what I'm saying. So when, when God tells us that we're something, and, and especially if it's such an awesome thing like this, we want to say amen to recognize that he's saying this about me. And so I need y'all's help with this. And so I'm just going to walk through some things that God has told us already through the book of Ephesians, um, who we are. And so Ephesians 1 tells us this, bless that he tells us that we are blessed in Christ. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, right? Amen. Amen, Right. Absolutely. I don't even know what that means with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. I haven't been to heaven. I don't know what those are, but I can't wait to get them. You know what I mean? And so you see that, uh, the next thing he tells us is that we're chosen by God. There we go. Chosen by God. That means that God wants you. He wants me. He wants us on his team. Um, and he's done that. The next thing he tells us is that we're holy and blameless in God's eyes. 
Amen, right? So no matter that, that we were sinners and that we're now passed from death to life and God now looks at us and he says, Billy is holy and blameless because I now see him as Christ. No matter what I'm walking through, no matter what I'm struggling with, God looks at us and he sees us that way. Amen. Um, and next he tells us is that we are adopted by God, right? So that means that we were a part of another family and God said, I want him and he's coming to my family. I want her. She's coming to my family, right? That's such a beautiful picture. He tells us we're redeemed. Redeemed is this picture that he paid the price to buy us back from the darkness into his kingdom. And so he sent his son, Jesus, for that specific purpose that Billy was in darkness. And now I'm going to send my son to pay the penalty that he deserves so that now he can live with me as he was created to do. Is that awesome? I mean, that's such a beautiful picture. And then he tells us that we're fully forgiven. Amen. Right. So we're forgiven for what we've done. We're forgiven for what we're doing and we're forgiven for the sins and the mess ups we're going to have in the future. He tells us we're fully forgiven. The next thing he tells us is that we've obtained an inheritance. Amen. Right. So we have an inheritance waiting on us. And then lastly, in Ephesians one, he tells us that we've received the greatest inheritance. We've received the greatest possession in his Holy Spirit that he's given each of us. And that's a beautiful picture that, that, that we get. And then he goes on in Ephesians 2, which is, which is awesome. He, he goes back and he reminds us, and Brandon, this is the scripture that we started with. He, he reminds us that this is who you once were, and now this is who you are in Christ. And it's such a beautiful picture. He tells us that we're dead in our trespasses and sins before we meet Christ. He tells us that we were follower, followers of the world, followers of Satan before. Um, he tells us that we were living in the passions of our flesh. He tells us that we were children by nature. We were children of wrath, destined for destruction. But he says, but God, right? He said, but God, I stepped in and, and I've done this. And what I want us to see today is that God saved each and every person in here that knows him for a purpose, right? And that's what this series walk is about. It is about what that purpose is in which he saved you for. And so I want you to see this and I want you to, I know you got Ephesians four open, flip your eyes back to Ephesians two. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen behind me, but I want to start off by reading Ephesians chapter two. And I want to read verses eight through 10, because I think it's crucial. He says, says this for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship. Remember, Brandon taught us about that. We're his portrait created in Christ Jesus for what good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should what walk in them. Right. And so that's the picture that God saved us to walk. And, and it's such a beautiful picture. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. And, and I don't know how many of you guys have ever uh, did you, anybody grow up watching like history movies? Anybody like history, uh, war movies, cowboy movies, all this different stuff? Uh, well, my grandpa at an early age, I think I was like five when I watched my first like John Wayne, uh, you know, uh, Clint Eastwood, um, war movie, like about George Patton, all these different people. If you're in college, you're probably like, who in the world is that? But those are great military generals, cowboy leaders, all these different people. And, and so by the time I was like five or six, I had a huge respect for these military generals that have gone before us um, and have done. And one of the things I loved about these people was the strategy that they had um, within the movie that they were in, within the action that they were in. And one of the things um, that I learned about them is that um, strategy has a lot to do with winning a war. Strategy has a lot to do with winning a cowboy fight. Strategy has a lot to do with a lot of things. And so how many of you have ever seen the movie The Patriot? Anybody ever seen that? All right, good. If you hadn't, you need to. You're probably not safe. No, I'm just kidding. Um, all right, so the Patriot, one of the parts that I love about the Patriot, Patriot is set in, in the time period of, of the Civil War. And so what happens is you have these northern soldiers who come in, they burn this plantation down, they kill this guy's daughter. And it just so happens that this guy, a.k.a. Mel Gibson, is a bad dude. And you don't want to mess with him, right? And so they kill this guy's daughter. Well, they, they don't know that he's like pretty much Terminator in the flesh. And so he comes back. And basically what he does is his strategy is he lures these guys into a small pathway through the woods, right? And so y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all following? So he, he, he basically him and his son, he's like, dude, get your, the dude's like five. He's like, get your gun, get all this stuff. Come on. <laughs> and so he lures them into these woods and basically all it's thousands of soldiers walking, hundreds of soldiers walking through this little pathway in the woods and Mel Gibson and his son and some, a couple more guys basically pick them off all hundreds of them in this wooded area because it's not, you know, mono y mono. It's more, Hey, I'm going to pick you off from the side. Right. And so you see, the, these strategies that they had, these good war generals and these good um, 
the fighters during the war have these strategies. And, and I want to kind of turn your attention back to when God comes back for us in the book of Revelation, it almost explains him as a war general. It says he comes back on a white horse with, with, with swords coming out of his mouth and, 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 and faithful and true on his robe, dipped in blood, his robe's dipped in blood. And so he comes back basically as this bad to the bone general. And, and what I want you to see is that God has a plan for this world. He has a strategy um, that he wants us to be a part of. And that strategy is his church, right? I don't know if we, we, we get that. And I don't think I've got this until I began studying the scripture. And, and that strategy um, and that strategic plan that he has to reach the world, to save people, to um, teach them what it means to walk in Christ it is the church. And he wants to do that through us. And so today in Ephesians 4, that's what I want you to think about. And, and, and part of that strategy is you walking out what he's called you to do as a believer. And that's what we're going to see today. And so as we look at um, Ephesians 4, I'm going to kind of read through 1 through 16, and I'm going to explain it as we go. I'm trying a little something different to see um, what this looks like. But one of the reasons we want to do this is because we, w- we want you guys to be equipped to read Scripture on your own, right? And so uh, if you've noticed, Brandon's been doing this, and it's been so helpful for me because, I mean, I, you know, sometimes like Matt was saying, you come to the Word of God and you're like, Oh man, I don't know what that means. God help me understand what that means. Well, basically what we get to see on Sunday mornings is Brandon and we get to see other people who, who speak, walk through scripture and kind of walk it out for us and be able to see that. And so hopefully when you hear this, it will begin to teach you and equip you and help you begin to read um, the scripture. And you could probably do it better than I can. So you'll be up here next anyway. Um, All right. So let's start Ephesians chapter four um, and let's start in verse one. So Paul starts out with this. He says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, right? And so Paul starts out saying he wants us to know that he's a prisoner for the Lord, right? And so um, there's not a lot of things that I would go to prison for, right? And, and I don't know if anybody's like me, but but there's not a lot of things that I would go to prison for. The one thing I could think of was um, my wife uh, goes to the Medical College of Georgia. Um, she's been down there. And so she calls me one morning and, and tells me, hey, um, I got punched in the face by this guy at the crosswalk and I'm okay and all this different stuff. And so, um, and, and my immediate thought was, all right, I'll be there in a second. And so I planned to get in my car and drive about 115 miles an hour to Augusta, right? And so that was something I was willing to go to jail for, right? To get down there to make sure that she was okay, to make sure that everything was going on. And so when Paul says that he's a prisoner, he means that what I have to tell you is worth me going to jail for. And so when we read this scripture, we have to understand that there's a lot of weight behind this and it's such a, a beautiful thing. And so he says, um, one that he's in prison. And then he goes on to say this, he says, Paul, a prisoner, uh, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Right. And so he says, basically he wants to know, Hey, you believer, you, the person who knows the Lord, you, me, he says, you have a calling, right? And so I know we've heard this word calling all the time. I used to hear it and I'd be like, well, I wonder what, I wish I knew what my calling was. That sounds like a cool word. Like I need that, you know? And so maybe you feel that way, but God, what basically what Paul's saying and God's telling you is you have a calling, right? And he says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And he tells us that this calling involves us walking. And so when the Bible says walking, Brandon's told us a couple of weeks, uh, walking means to live a lifestyle, right? And so he says this calling that you have involves you living a lifestyle in a certain way to live your life, a way of life in this. And so hear God saying, believer, hear God saying, Billy, I have something better for you. I have a way of life that is better than the way of life that you were living. And I want you to walk in it. And then he goes on to tell us this. He says, with all, he says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So he says, I've given you this calling. This calling is to walk Uh, is to live a lifestyle. And this lifestyle has some postures. It has some demeanors. It has some characteristics for uh, uh, us younger people. It has a swag, right? So the the word you hear swag all the time. Uh, One of my jobs at the church is to keep uh, you you older folk a little younger. And so one of the ways I do that is to um, introduce you to some of the words and terminology. Maybe you've seen shirts that people are wearing nowadays that say, check out my swag or check out all these things. And Brandon wears them to work all the time, but um, I don't let him as much. But anyway, and so one of the things that we have um, here is God gives us, he says, this is the calling to walk, to, to walk in this lifestyle 
bow and he says, but there's a demeanor, a posture, a swag that comes with this. And he tells us a couple words. He says humility, right? And so I don't know how many know what humility is, but the best definition I could find for it um, is having a correct view of myself, of, of yourself, of ourselves in light of who God is, right? And so humility, having a correct view of, of, of myself in light of who God is. And so the opposite of humility would be arrogant, right? So you'd have the opposite of humility would be arrogant. So when you think of humility, you think back to the Ephesians 2 scripture that says you were saved by grace through faith, not by your own work. So you did nothing to earn it. Everything you've been given has been given to you by God. And when you, we understand that and when we know that, it brings about a different posture. And then he goes on to say gentleness, right? Um, gentleness is, is another word for gentleness would be meekness, right? We see Jesus brings on um, a new terminology and says um, meekness. And meekness just means that we're teachable. Right. And so that means that we, 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 a lot of people think meekness or gentleness means like uh, weakness, but don't, don't, cons- don't confuse those two things because, um, it, it means teachable. The opposite of, of gentleness is superiority. Does that make sense? And so God basically tells us, Paul says, Hey, don't walk around arrogantly and don't walk around like you're better than other people. Right. And so he says the natural overflow of understanding the gospel and being a believer is walking in those two manners. And then he jumps in, he he gives us a couple more. He says, patience, right? So he says to walk in patience, patience, I would define as showing others the same grace God has shown you, right? So that's a beautiful definition of it. Patience is showing God or, or showing others the same grace that God's shown you. The opposite of patience would be selfishness, right? Um, there's nowhere where we see uh, a, a lack of patience more than uh, me and my wife were talking about this yesterday than at the drive-through. Have, has anybody ever just has anybody worked at a drive-through before? Okay, I wouldn't. Well, I, I would love to work there because everybody that comes through the drive-through is angry. Have you ever noticed that? Like, I mean, I, I just feel for this poor little girl that says, hey, how may I help you? What can I help you with today? Right. And then the, the guy's sitting there like, I want a number five, you know, and it's like, good God, like, relax, man. I'm going to give you. And it's like, I want no pickles and double mustard, three pieces of lettuce and four tomatoes on there, if you don't mind. You know, and they they bring this thing and the woman's like, OK, sir, you want a number three with ketchup? No, I said no ketchup. You know, and they're just yelling back and forth at these people. And I say that to say patience is is not being quick to anger. It's not being quick to to go off your, your bubble. Everything's not about you. So it's understanding that the same grace that God's shown you um, that we are called to show other people. Um, and lastly, he says, bearing with one another in love, right? And so bearing with one another, when you think about this, what I want you to think about is the word forbearance. So what it means is to walk through life with other people. So when you bear with people, that means that you, you walk through life with them in the good, the bad, the ugly, everything. You, you're with them. You are friends. And so the opposite of this would be a fair weather friend, right? And, and so you see this, or maybe you could relate it more to sports, right? A fair weather fan, right? We, we know more of that. If we're winning, everybody comes. If we're losing, nobody comes, right? So it's that picture. But the picture of it is that God has given us a posture. He's given us um, some characteristics that show we are walking with him, that show this is the way that you're supposed to walk. And man, have, ask yourself the question. I feel like the Lord hit me and like, I mean, punched me in the throat with this this week because it's like, are these postures you like are these characteristics what make up your life are you humble do you walk in gentleness are you teachable are you not do you not consider yourself better than others are you patient with people and do you bear with bear with people do you genuinely love people enough to walk with them and then i was thinking okay well you know my job is at the church is is i do the connect groups right so i'm kind of the the organizer slash trainer slash um tap people on the butt when they don't know what they're doing type of person you know that's that's what i do and so um and and i was thinking man how awesome would a connect group be how legit would a connect group be if if a connect group was made up of people that were not arrogant and entitled right that they were open, their hearts were open to be taught from the word of God, right? If we came to connect group every time with these connections, if we were patient, graceful, and we count others better than ourselves, right? So think about being in a connect group with these characteristics. The last one is we're willing to walk through life 
with people and not just show up for an hour of the week, right? So it's not, hey, we'll just show up for an hour, but it's actually a willingness to walk through life with people and, and do that. And man, I can tell you this, when a connect group possesses these qualities, that's where real life change happens. And, and that's the picture um, going in. And, and it's not one of them things where you go in saying, I expect people to do these things. It's you go in with the attitude of this is who I want to be to people. And, and it's such a, a beautiful picture um, to walk through those. And then he transitions in verse three. Um, and he goes in and he says, eager, he says, uh, to walk in this calling with these qualities. And then he says, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. He says, there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So anytime you're reading the Bible and a word is repeated over and over again, it's probably significant, right? So when you read that, what what do you hear over and over and over again, right? What word? One, right? All, all is absolutely two, but one as well. So you see this picture of, of, of one and, 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 and God basically says, um, I want you to be one. I want you to be unified. He says, I want you to be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit. Right. And then he goes in to tell us like, I've already unified you. Like I've already put my spirit in you to unify you. And so he says, I want you to be eager to maintain. Right. So you don't, you don't gain something um, that you're asked to maintain. Does that make sense? Like when you're asked to maintain something, you're asked to maintain something that's already in you. And so the Bible teaches that when every person comes to know the Lord, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit brings new desires. It brings new, it just brings a new way of life. It brings a new way of thinking. It's Jesus Christ actually inside of you. And he says, when that thing comes, basically what's going to happen when that spirit comes and lives inside of you, it's going to unify you. And so when you think of unity, think of oneness, right? And so I call it like a circle of life connection. No Lion King intended, right? Circle of life connection of the, the picture of it's like when you meet somebody and, and when you meet somebody, you already understand. You feel like you've known them forever. Anybody ever done that? You, you, you meet somebody and, and basically um, this happened to me. Like one of my buddies, uh, Ryan, we, you know, the first time I ever met him, we were on a six hour trip to Destin, Florida. Um, great place to go. But anyway, we were, um, we're on this trip and, and probably 20 minutes into the trip, um, me and him were, I felt like we were pretty much best friends. We understood everybody. I, I mean, we understood each other. Like his goal was, man, he wants to live for Christ. My goal was, I want to live for Christ. He liked football. I like football. Uh, I mean, everything you could think of lined up, man. And I felt like we, um, were just, you know, best friends and, you know, and, and that's the picture when God puts the Holy spirit in people, people from all different backgrounds come together and understand each other because we all have the same purpose. That's what he's saying. He says, you're one body. You're one, you have one spirit. You've been called by one hope. You have one Lord. Um, you've been through one baptism. You have one father. He's saying, Hey, I've, I've gifted you. Like all of us are, we're about the same things, right? We're, we're after the same things and that's to serve, um, the Lord Jesus. And it's such a beautiful picture, um, to, to look at. And then in verse seven, he makes this contrast. He says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. He says, therefore, it says when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is, is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things, right? And so he, may, he says, yes, you're one, but you're different, right? So he makes this contrast and he says, um, you're different. And, and the way you're different is, he, he said, I basically... That's what he's saying. He's saying like descended, ascended, all that stuff. It kind of confused me. I was like, what in the heck is he talking about? But what he's talking about um, is there's a scripture in uh, John chapter 16, 7 and 8. You don't have to turn there. I'll tell you what it says. It says, nevertheless, this is Jesus talking. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. So Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, I know I've been with you guys for this amount of time, but I got to go back to heaven. And this is why I'm going. He says, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Right. And so Jesus says, hey, I I, got to basically I got to die for your sins, raise up and then ascend back to heaven. And it's going to be better than as if I was here with you, because I'm going to be able to send this spirit that's going to live inside all of the believers and it's going to unify them. But it's also going to bring what he's going to tell us next in 11. He says this and he says, and he gave 
the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. And so he says, I left and I sent the Holy Spirit not only to unify you, but to give you gifts. He says, when I, when I send you this thing, it's going to bring gifts of apostleship. It's going to bring gifts of, of prophets. It's going to give evangelists. I mean, it's going to give pastors and teachers. And, and the thing you have to see with this is God not only sees his spirit as a gift in, in, in earthly terms, he sees like people as gifts to the church, right? And so I was thinking about this, you know, thinking um, one of the things that, that Brandon has a really, really good gift set of is he's a great teacher and a great evangelist. So we come in on Sunday and Dude, he can break down scripture and, and teach us scripture in a way that he can take something that seems so complicated. I'm like, dude, I don't know what the crap that means. And he'll bring it in and he's like, bam, 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 tell two stories. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. You know what I mean? And so he has this gift of, and so basically you have to see it from God's eyes. God's, God's looking down. He says, all right, Statesboro, Georgia. Um, no offense. There's a bunch of rednecks down there. They're, they're country people. They got a college. So I need somebody that can relate. He says, all right, you know this Brandon guy? I'm going to send him here because he can communicate well with these type of people, right? Does that make sense? And so God basically looks down and he says, I'm going to gift him with this and I'm going to send him to these people to be able to communicate well to them. And then I'm like, well, God, he sent me here too. So that means I'm a redneck. What? And, and so, you know what I mean? But it's that picture of God gave gifts to men. And so who gave us the gifts? God, right? We have no room to boast in those. And so whether it's these things, which the gifts it walks through here are more gifts of offices of the church, like leaders of the church um, in a lot of ways. But he tells us that he gives us those gifts. He gives us these people for a purpose. He gives us these people to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, um, also to build up the body of Christ, right? And so basically he says, the reason I've gifted Brandon, the reason I've gifted the, the people at the church, the reason I've gifted connect group leaders is to equip the saints. Who's the saints? Us, right? Every person in here. So he says, I've given people gifts to help equip you for the work of the ministry, right? And so think about that. If you show up to connect group with that attitude of, hey, I'm in here to be equipped. So um, their gift is going to help me. Their gift is going to encourage me. And we show up with that attitude. That's the picture. And God basically says, I've given you people like Brandon, people who teach and, and, and help us basically to equip us to do God's plan for us, which is to go out and reach people and help them walk in their relationship with Christ um, and, and, to, and to, to make disciples of all people. And um, that's the very thing that our foundations class is for on Sundays is to help you guys be equipped to go out and make disciples. Um, and, and that's the picture that we see in this. And then he moves on um, in verse 13. And he says this, he says, so I've given you these gifts to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And then he says, but there's a goal in mind. He says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to mature manhood or to a mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And this can kind of be confusing, but it's a beautiful picture. And so, again, we have to put ourselves in the shoes. When God talks about the church, he always talks about the body of Christ, right? You've heard that before. Anybody ever heard the body of Christ? And so when you, when you think about the body of Christ, you have to think about it like this. When God sees us, he sees Christ as the head. So basically, if you think like a physical body, like if I was the body of Christ, right? And so you see Christ as my head. So when Christ looks at us... Or when God looks at us, he sees Christ. But the thing that he wants to do is, is we are the body. So all, every person in here who, who believes in Christ, is a, it makes up part of this body. And so when God looks at us, he sees the holiness, the righteousness, everything we talked about in Christ. But our body is not there yet, right? And so he says, I have a goal for that. And so what God's plan is for this world is, he, he, and this is beautiful, you've got to get this. He wants to paint a picture of Jesus to the world. And so he's creating himself this physical man, which he calls the church. But if you think about it, it's kind of like, um, did anybody like hit a huge growth spurt? Like when they got to ninth grade where they were, you know, if, if you grow if you've, if you've, if you've been there, you know what I'm saying? You feel for me right now. But when I was like, I think when I came in as a freshman, I had like a size 13 shoe already, you know, and I was like five, uh, nine or something like that, you know? And so you see this picture. I was like the clumsiest dude ever. We'd be running sprints at football practice and everybody'd be like, ah, ha, ha, ha. 
<laughs> you know, laughing at this dude because I'd be falling back and forth and doing all these things. But when God looks at the church, or maybe you've seen like a baby giraffe. You ever seen a baby giraffe when they're first born or like a baby deer when they're first born, they come out, their legs are like all wobbly. Well, well, that's the picture that we have of the church right now. God looks at us and he sees a mature person in Jesus, but we are all not mature people. We are growing and we are making up this body. And so what God says is my goal for this body is that it would grow, that it would mature up so that it paints a good picture of Jesus to the world. Does that make sense? It's kind of confusing, but that's the picture you have to see as Brandon was talking about that portrait aspect. That's what God wants to do. And when people look at the body of Christ, when they look at this, this physical man, this mystical man, um, they want to see a picture of Christ. And that's God's plan to, to reconcile people um, back to himself, which is such a beautiful um, picture. And then he goes on in verse 14. And here's what he says. The reason he wants to do this, he says, so that, no, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning. By craftiness and deceitful schemes, but rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so basically God's saying, I desire for every part of this body to be growing, right? Every part of this body to be growing because the overall goal is that the body, that the church would be built up so that the picture that is painted to the world is a beautiful picture of who Christ is, right? And so when we come in here on Sundays and we see 700, 1,000, how many ever people are in here, it's, it's very easy to say, I'm not significant, like, what, what is my part? Like, they can't even tell if I'm doing this or that or the other. And what I'd say is, you are a gift from God to our church, to our corporate body. And, and we need you to not only grow in your relationship with God, but we need you to plug in and be a part because you're going to help us paint a picture of Jesus to this world in a way that it couldn't be painted without you. Does that make sense? And, and that's the picture that God wants to show us. And so the thing, another thing that we have to understand is that your growth and my growth they're not about us, right? And that's a big thing to realize that me getting up every morning and saying, Lord, um, God, help me move forward in my relationship with you this morning. That's not about me. That's about you guys. That's about, it's about us as a corporate body painting this picture of who Christ is. And I tell my guys all the time in, in my Bible study um, or in my connect group that like, that's why we have to be moving forward because here's the picture. Like we are, the Bible tells us that we are members of one another, right? That doesn't make sense unless you understand that this, this picture of us being the body. And so he says, when you come to connect group, it's important that you're growing and that you're pushing forward in your relationship with the Lord, because the people around you, guess who they need to be growing? You, right? And so it's almost like the, the, the picture I try to create in my, in, in the connect groups is you have an obligation to grow in your relationship with the Lord so that you can help encourage somebody else. Because I may have a guy come in, um, you know, I may have one of my guys come in and they're really struggling that week, man. They, they've had a tough week. Things have happened. Things have just happened, man. And, and they need me to come in. They need my other guys to come in and say, man, this is what Christ has been showing me. And it's not that it's not about you like being better than anybody else. It's about you saying, man, this is what God's shown me this week. Isn't this cool? And guess what that does to this person who's had a bad week? It encourages them. It fills their battery back up to say, I'm ready to go. Let's get back on it. You know, let's, let's do this thing. And, and that's the picture that God wants to give, um, for, for us and do that. And so, um, what I want to shift to is, is that's really the, the whole scripture of, of what he's saying, um, in that. But I want to shift now to kind of some practical. So, so you're like, all right, Billy, you just told me this, all this scripture stuff. So now I want to shift to kind of, all right, practically, God, I understand you want me to walk in a manner worthy of what you've called me to do. Right. And so now how do I do that? What do I do? Right. And, and so um, I believe in, in this scripture, we see four specific practical ways um, that we can walk in a manner of this calling Four specific things that God says if you believe this is what I want you to do, this is going to help you. This is that new way of life um, that I intend um, for, for, for you to walk in. The first one is he says, 
I've called you to walk in the church, right? Because that's the overarching theme of this whole scripture that you, um, uh, you need to be unified, that you have gifts that need to be a part of this big church. You need to mature so that this whole body can mature. We see that picture. And I do not think it's coincidence that Paul, you know, the first three chapters of, of Ephesians, he sends, spends basically praying for us and telling us who we are in Christ. And his immediate exhortation or his immediate encouragement is what? Get involved in the church, right? And so I've seen this so many times personally, you know, and, 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 you know, when people come back and they get saved and, and they stand up and we cheer and do all this stuff. I mean, that's exactly what we do back there when we pray with them. We say, man, Hey, how can we get you a part of this family? You need a family to walk with. You need to be in a connect group. You need to get some people alongside of you, pushing you forward. And I, and and the thing I can promise you is the people that get plugged into the church, the people that become a part of the family are the people that we can find six months later. And the people that don't are the people that we can't. And so I I say that to challenge you and to encourage you. Hey, if you want to grow in your relationship with God, if you want to be who God's called you to be, you got to be a part of the family because that's how God intends for us um, to grow and say, he he says, be devoted to the church, man. Like, like plug in, you see, like serve, right? Um, Get into a connect group, man, give for the first time. Maybe that's your next step. Like be a part of what God's doing because this is the picture um, to do that. The second things he tells us, the first one is that we walk in the church, a call to walk in the church. The second one, he says, I've called you to walk in unity, right? And so the thing that we have to see with unity is that unity, there's nothing that paints a better picture of Jesus to a lost world than a group of people unified, than this person who comes from this background, this culture, this person who comes from this background, this culture, coming together under the umbrella to Christ and basically pursuing the same things. I promise you there is nothing in this world that paints a better picture of who Jesus is than that because it takes selfish people, brings them together into selflessness to to move forward with each other. And that's a beautiful picture of what God's saying to do that. And so when you think of unity, unity results from one thing. And it results from a mindset um, that, that is, it's not about me, it's about Jesus, right? So I want y'all to say that. There's weight in that, I promise you. When you say that words and you say, Lord, I want to walk in unity, and the way I'm going to do that is, is say, this life is not about me, it's about Jesus, right? And so I want y'all to say that back to me because I promise you there's a weight. I get up every morning and the words I say to myself is, today is not about me. It's about Christ. It's about Jesus. So I want y'all to say, what do we say? It's not about, it's about, absolutely. And I want you to try that every morning when you get up and you say, today, God, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. And so whatever you're walking into, your job, your sport, whatever it is, when you walk into that, you say, today's not about me. It's about Christ. Um, And I promise you, it'll help you walk um, in unity. And I promise when Jesus becomes the most important thing in your life, everything changes. I promise you, everything changes when you do that. Number three, um, as he says, hey, I want you to walk in your gifts. You're called to walk in your gifts. I've given every person in here gifts, right? And people are like, okay, well, uh, I've, uh, you know, is it spiritual gifts or is it natural ability? And I'd say both, right? If, if you can play music and you get saved, um, God wants you to use that music. If you are a phenomenal sports player and you get saved, God wants you to use that sport as a platform. Um, but God also, um, he gives us 19, um, gifts in the Bible, spiritual, supernatural gifts, um, in the Bible. This is not an exhaustive list. I just think it's a, Hey, here are some examples of what I'm talking about. Um, and and I want to run through these quickly, but, um, if you're in a connect group, what you're going to do is walk through these more, um, in detail this past. And all of these gifts basically come from uh, four scriptures. So if you can remember chapter 4 and chapter 12, you got 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, 1 Peter 4, Ephesians 4. And so um, I'm going to walk through these a little bit. And I want you guys, don't write them down. If you want them, I'll uh, go to a connect group this week and you'll have them. Um, And so basically what I want you to do is put yourself in the shoes. And when I talk about them, I'm going to talk about what you love to do if this is your giftings. Um, And I want you to see if you relate to any of these. So the first gift it tells us is wisdom, right? And so everybody wants this gift, right? Uh, you may not have it. Um, anyway, so here we go. Wisdom is somebody, if, if you have the gift of wisdom, you love giving timely, godly, helpful counsel. So you love to step in when somebody's talking and be like, man, I've walked through that. One, you know the Bible. like So you study the Bible very well. You've been through a lot. Usually you have gray hair. 
So if you don't have gray hair, you're out. Um, I'm just kidding. And so you see this picture of that you, you want to step in and give people um, counsel. And here's the thing. The world doesn't need more counsel. It needs more godly counsel, right? It needs more biblical counsel. And so that's the picture. These people are gifts to the church. Number two is, is the gift of knowledge, right? And so some people would call you nerds, but I love you. So here, here's the thing. You love to study. You love to research. You love books. You love footnotes. Like you can't even read the top part of the Bible without going to the bottom of the study Bible. Like that's you. You can't do anything. You love when somebody asks you a question. So if somebody comes up and says, hey, can I ask you a question? You're like, absolutely. You want a book to go with that? Like, that's you. You know, you have that gift of, of doing those things. And so usually you may have doctor in front of your name. And so it, it may be that picture that you have doctor because you've studied for a long time. And so if that's you, you're not a nerd. We love you. You are a gift to this church and we need you um, in that way. The third one is faith, right? So if you have this gift of faith, you love supernatural. You love, you love tough and impossible situations. And so you, you love tough and impossible situations. If you've never seen this gift, you should go talk to our drummer, Sean Fox, who's back here. The dude loves it. Like we have a vision meeting about, all right, we need everybody to seek the Lord about how many we're going to reach. Sean's back there with his hand up. 75,000 people. Sean, there's only 80,000 in Statesboro. How, you know? And so you see this picture, like you love to see Jesus show up in power and do these things. And so um, that's faith. The fourth one is healing. So if you have the gift of healing, basically you love to pray for the people that are sick. You love sick people, right? So there's some of you guys, if you see a sick person, like you run the other way, right? But there's some people who naturally have a draw to go and pray for sick people, to care for them, to be a part of their life. If that's you, you have that gift of healing. Number five is miracles. If this is you, then, then you love to pray and see God show up in power. Right. And so you love to, to see God do supernatural. You love to see God um, do these things. And, and, and so you love to see him. And, and so I would I would say this and I don't know that I've told him, but there's a guy on our prayer team that, man, every time he prays, he's praying for awakening. He wants to see a revival. He wants to see all these different things. And so every time like we're trying to like reason with him about things like, dude, we, we want the same thing, but we need this. He's like, we need an awakening. You know, we need an awakening, you know, so, but that's the gift of, that's the gift of, of miracles. He wants to see God do something huge discernment. Um, I would put you in, in kind of a different category. You, you get these weird gut feelings about people, right? And, and so, um, I heard somebody describe Beth Moore this way one time that when she looks at you, she can look into your soul, right? And so she has this way about her that when she looks at you, you feel like they know everything about you before you even like talk to anybody ever had somebody like that. I'm like, this person's looking, you know, you like want to take off running. Like that's the picture of, and, and these people are great. They're gifts to the church. The seventh, seventh one apostles, right? And so apostleship, not talking about, um, the, the apostles that God's given us to write scripture. That's one kind of apostle, but those are no longer here. So we have, uh, this gift of apostle. If you're apostle, you love leading movements, you, you want to see big things happen. You are, you would be a church planner or you'd be a missionary or you'd be somebody ready to go forth and lead something big. Um, and, and so this is one of the gifts that you see in Brandon. He wants to be a part of something huge and big. And the eighth one is teaching, right? So you love to impart biblical truth, right? And you, there's nothing that jacks you up more. There's nothing that pumps you up more than somebody saying, I got that. I got it. To see somebody's eyes light up and they get it. Like that's, that's you. Um, and I would say that that's part of my spiritual gift. If you're a connect group leader, that's probably what you're gifted at is, is, is teaching people and helping people get it. Um, number nine is help, um, helps and service, right? Helps and service are people who they don't care what they're doing. They just want to be a part of it. What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? Um, hey, uh, what's your gifting? What are you good at? I'm good at whatever you need me to be good at. Let me do it. You know? And so you have this picture of, of helps and service and you have that gift and I'm going to keep rolling through these fast. We're running out of time. Um, 10th one's administration. So if you have the gift of administration, you love stewarding resources. So you're always asking questions. How are we doing with the money? What are we allocating it to? Uh, where, how's the staff doing like in the areas that they're working on? Um, you know, and you, you see those type of pictures. Number 11, evangelism. Um, you love non-Christians. You're always looking to make connections. You're always looking to um, hang around. You'd rather be around non-Christians than anybody else. That's perfect. Everybody in some sort should be an evangelist because we're called to be, but you love it. And, and so, um, that's you, uh, with that gift. The next one is shepherding, pastoring, or counseling. The Bible kind of groups these together. 
Um, and, and, and this is a person, you love people. You love to care for people. Uh, you love to help people. You love to invest in people. You just love people, right? And so this is another characteristic of connect group leaders. They love people, right? This is uh, our care pastor, Joey. He just loves people. He loves being around people and love caring for people and, and doing these type of people. And you are a gift to our church. We need you to, to, to say, this is my gift. I want to walk in it. And, and I promise you, if you want to lead a connect group, come talk to me. We'll get you there. Um, number 13, um, encouragement. So uh, this is a gift that my wife has. It, 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 she loves encouraging people. She is the most encouraging person I know. And this is the person that everybody likes. Everybody wants to be around. We need more gifts of these because they're like, oh man, you look pretty today. Oh, you have been moving forward in your relationship with the Lord. I've seen a lot of life change in you, right? And this is a person that tends to have tons of friends, right? And so you got friends everywhere. And, and people want to be around you because every time you're around them, they're like, man, you, you're doing good. You've been reading, haven't you? You've been reading the Bible, right? And they just make you. My dad also has this gift. If you don't know what it is, then one conversation with him, you'll see it. Um, 14 is giving, right? So giving, if you have the gift of giving, you love meeting people's needs, right? And so if you hear somebody talking, the first immediate thing you think about is you hear like an underlying of something they need. And so the next thing you do is you run back to your office, you're searching on Amazon, anonymously you send it to them, right? So you have that idea of like, you want to give to people, you want to meet needs in the church. You're mad because we don't have a posted board at the service every Sunday with all the needs that we have in the church, right? That's you. We need you. We need you to step up. You're a gift um, to the church. Uh, the, The 15th, leadership. You love mobilizing people for a cause, Right? You naturally gravitate towards the leader role. People look at you and they naturally follow. So if you have that gift, that's what it looks like. Mercy. Um, you love people hurt or <laughs> you love people that are hurting, right? Never want to say you love hurting people, right? Um, you love people that are hurting. You naturally gravitate. You love going to the hospital to visit people. You love uh, being with people during times of crisis. That, that's you. Um, 17 is hospitality. Uh, we need more of you too. This is people who um, you love welcoming and, and entertaining strangers, right? And so there's nothing more than you love than to stand out here and greet new people coming into our church. And you're almost aggravating in a way because you're like, can I help you? You want to go to the bathroom? Come with me. Hey, you. you know, and so, and, and so you see this picture of you like, or that way. Another thing is our connect group leader, the people that host our connect groups. This is you. You love to have food there. You love to clean up the house. You love to do all those different things. You love to, to make connections, right? So you love to connect people to one another. You kind of like, you ever seen the movie Hitch? You're kind of like Will Smith. You like to hitch up people, not just like in a love way, but more of a connections happen, seeing them happen. Um, 18 is tongues. This is more of a supernatural gift, but I'll say this about it. I'm already out of time, so I can't get into it. But um, the first one is, is you, you maybe have a private prayer language, right? And, and some people that, that maybe have that, you think, you, you think it's weird, but it's not. It's a spiritual gift, and, and that's for you in your private time. But then also uh, the gift of tongues is a public ability to communicate the gospel um, w- with people uh, in a language that you do not know, right? So I've heard of people going away on mission trips or going in different cultures and being effective at sharing the gospel with people. That's a gift. That's a gift when you are able to do that. The 19th is, is prophets and prophecy, right? And so if this is you, you love speaking the word of God forcefully. Uh, you love speaking the, God, the word of God in a way that elicits a response. Um, and, and so you love stepping on toes to, to get people to a point um, where they have to make a decision. But you do it in love, obviously. Um, and so uh, you see that picture. And so when you think of the gifts, that's what you think of. And so um, obviously, if, if you want to know more about those, go to your connect group this week and, and y'all will be talking um, about those, hopefully, and you'll see that. And so the third one is you walk in your gifts. Um, and, and the fourth one is that you walk aimed at growth and maturity. And, and I'll close with this one. This is the last one. Um, God's given each of us an aim to walk at. We don't walk aimlessly. The Bible tells us that. We have a goal that we're going towards. We have a goal that we're moving towards. 2 Peter 3.18 says that he, Peter gives us this command to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so he gives us that command. And so uh, there's really two options that come along with this. It's, it's personally, we're either moving forward in our relationship with God or we're moving backwards. There's no real middle ground here. And, and I constantly ask myself um, this question every, t- every day is, God, help me get up and move forward in my relationship with the Lord today. Help me 
help me get up and, and move forward today. And so, um, and I, I give you two pieces of advice with this, things that have helped me um, try to do this. And, 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 and there's no condemnation if you're in here today and you're like, Billy, I'm not moving forward. That's not what I'm here to do. What I'm here to say is there's never a better day than today, right? There's never a better day than today, tomorrow. Get up, pursue the Lord, do it. And what I tell you to do is find people who love Jesus too. Tell them what your life looks like when you're focused on Christ. But even more than that, tell them what your life looks like when you're not focused on Christ. And you guys begin to hold each other accountable. Like, hey, I see you're, you're not loving people very well anymore. Are you doing all right with the Lord? You know, and so begin to ask yourself those type of questions. Another thing, a connect group is huge with that. That's, that's what we're here for. And so um, I'll close with this, man. Like I, I wanted to bring us to a point today where we see God has called us to something. Every person in here, be encouraged. God wants to use you. He wants you to be a part of something. He wants you to be a part of what he's doing in this world. He wants you to be a part of the church. And, and maybe for some of you guys um, this morning, your next step, and we use the terminology next step all the time because we believe you don't have to take a hundred steps. You just got to take one. And I can promise you that one next step is all you have to take today and, and to do that. And so for some of you guys, um, you're, you're like, Billy, th- this is the stupidest thing. I don't even like want to know God. And, and that's okay. Um, but maybe you have that, that, that desire in your heart and, and God's opened your eyes this morning. And he says, you need to know me. I want a relationship with you. And if that's you this morning, that's your next step. And you know, cause your heart's beating a hundred miles an hour and God's come to you. And he said, I want a relationship with you. And you know, you don't have a relationship with him, but you need to seal that today. We want to welcome you into our family. We want you to be a part of this. And so if that's you today, um, I'd ask if you'd raise your hand for me and you know, it's you, your heart's beating. Is that anybody in here? We got one back here in the back. Somebody from the. Clyde, if you'll go with Sean right there, he wants to pray with you, buddy. Proud of you. Um, and then the next thing for the rest of us is every person in here has a next step too, man. And, and I want you to know that your next step, it, it might be, it, it could be a hundred different things. I'll give you some examples. Maybe one is you've been attending this church for a long time. You've been coming in every week and you've been sitting and you've been consuming. You've been, you've been just taking in Sunday morning, Sunday mornings, an hour 15 every week. Um, and you haven't taken the step to, to get involved. And, and, and maybe it's because you've been hurt by a church. And I understand that. I promise. I would love to sit down with you and talk to you. But we want you to be a part of our family. And we don't. We're, our goal is not to hurt you. That's not the goal of, of the church. The church is to be a family. And so maybe today's the day that you need to sign up to serve for the first time. You need to just get your feet wet a little bit. Just serve. Uh, maybe today's the day that you need to get into a connect group. Maybe today's the first day where you say, God, I want to honor you in my finances. And I want to tell you that today's the first day that I'm going to say, God, you're more important to me than my money. And I'm going to give to you for the first time. Maybe that's your next step. It can be hundreds of different things. But I can promise you that God has called you to be a part of his church. And we want that for you um, today. And, and so... Um, if that's you, we have a next steps table out all of these doors and, and we would love for you to take that next step today. And I can promise you it'll be the best decision that you've ever made. Let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you so much for today, God. I thank you for, uh, Lord, just your word, God. I thank you that it speaks to my heart. I thank you that it, um, that it speaks to me, Lord. I just pray today that people would have the boldness and courage to do whatever you're asking them to do, God. Um, Lord, we love you so much. I pray you'd be with us this week as we go out and represent you well, God, as we paint a picture of who you are um, to this world. God, I pray that we would paint it well. Lord, so help us, God. We need you so much. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.